Welcome to the Onyx Pathcast. I am this week's host, Dixie Cochran, here with Eddie Bub. Hola. And Matthew Dawkins. Oh, oh wow. I f- felt like that was quite a sensational in- introduction to me. So thank you very much, Dixie. <laughs> I'm elated to be here. This is uh, unlike most of our incredibly well-structured episodes that have a beginning and a denouement and all those things that you're supposed to have. Um, we don't have a structure for this one. <laughs> we have decided yes. to have a ramble. We, we're, we're so good at staying on topic that we're trying something different this time. Yeah, yeah. We never go on tangents or get sidetracked or distracted by other things going on in our lives. Um. I so will we're say that, um, that today. Uh, w- w- uh, uh, as we're recording this, um, the first episode of our Trinity game went up. And one of the comments in the blog was, according to your show notes, it looks like you guys hardly digressed at all. And I find that unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> we actually didn't digress too much during the Trinity game. I was, I was playing the Trinity game. Yeah. Right. That's why I was like, it was a shock to all of us, actually. No, we, we didn't have much digression. So we're making up for it by just doing a whole episode of digression now. Well, I, I've got a question. I have a question for Eddie. I thought I was okay. the host. I know, no, no, uh, no uh, I, you are, but it's a question <laughs> that I wanted to ask Eddie about digressions. Okay. Eddie in particular. <laughs> because I think Eddie has probably been running games for longer than both you and I, Dixie. I don't run games, so yeah. Hey, well, there you go. And that means Eddie has probably encountered more player groups with their parties going off on tangents, avoiding the main quest, you know, just ignoring the the mission and leaving the haunted house or whatever. Right. So I have a general RPG question for Eddie live on air, which is... Even though we're not live and I can edit this. Right. Don't... You're ruining the illusion, Dixie. (laughs) That's all I'm here for. Call in now. Um, But anyway. So, Eddie, you're running a game. The group decide, fuck your plot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're going to do something we think is more fun. What Mm -hmm. is your go-to way of addressing that as a GM? Um, So there's a few different things to to unpack there. Um, The first off is that when I planned a lot, how I would handle that is I would try to improvise a little bit to get to encourage them to either move back to the plot or to kind of put the plot in front of them. Um, so it's like if, if I had an encounter, say, where they meet a, a nefarious person in a tavern and they decide to go to a, a different tavern, I just move the encounter there kind of thing. So it's like, you know, you always will eventually run into plot yeah, or to whatever I need to do. Yeah, like if they go west instead of east, then okay, that place they were going to go is now to the west. Okay. Right, exactly. Um, you get ambushed no matter what road you take kind of stuff. Yep. Um, uh, uh, but honestly, over time, um, I just stopped planning. Uh, <laughs> what I do now is like um, the Trinity game, that's a great example. Um, I just have like a, a bunch of bullet points of here's the things that we need to check off and details. And then I just make up the rest. So if people go quote unquote off script, there, there's no real script to go off of anymore. So it doesn't bother me much either way. Um, so you've given yourself an improv education over many years of running uh, games. Basically, yeah. Um, I hadn't actually thought about it that way. Now I'm curious if I should actually look into trying improv. Hey, be- honestly, like if, if if nothing else when it comes to improv, the yes and and no and rules are very, very helpful. Or no but rules right. are super, super helpful for um, role-playing games. Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, and then this happens. Or... Uh, no, that's not the correct answer, but you discover this thing or you notice this. It's it's like, it seems so simple, but it's so helpful because when you have a GM that just stonewalls you on something, yep. that can be so frustrating. Right. I will say that um, the one kind of exception to this is when I'm doing a one-shot game, um, which conventions or if it's just our friends just want to play a game for one night. Um, I will sometimes explicitly say, guys, I need you to go in this direction. Right. And just uh, uh, you know, make it absolutely clear. This is where the game is at. I do not have time for your fucking around. Go that way. <laughs> um, but that's but that's that's a very case of everyone is aware that this is a very time sensitive game we're playing, um, and we don't have the room for improvisation. If it's a game where I'm just running for friends, and we're, I have certainly um, run games where it's like, here's what I expect to do today, and we just never get to any of that. 
they, mm. they're, they're role playing, they're screwing around. Um, uh, but I mean, you know, sometimes I think rolling with the punches is more fun. Um, I was running a, uh, Marvel superheroes game. Uh, this was five, six years ago. Um, and I thought it would be funny to have the main antagonist be vampires because that was as well still the vampire the masquerade dev. Right. Um, and, and so it's like, yeah, vampires, it'd be funny. Ha-ha. Also, there are canonically uh, vampires in Marvel comics. There are a lot of vampires in Marvel comics. Yeah, like, like Jubilee. Um, <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. And, and, and Julie and, and Blade sometimes, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, Deacon Frost and, um, you know, Dracula's castles on the moon and just bonkers, bonkers stuff. I just always loved Jubilee. Uh, and I love that like one of her last things is that she became a vampire. It made me happy. Yeah, and, and like to save her son, right? Yeah, it was super weird. It was weird. Anyway, um, so uh, they find those vampires, um, and one of the people playing the game is Bobby Drake, Iceman. He's a teenager. And so um, one of the things he established early on was that it was set in modern day. So it's like, okay, well, so he's a teenager. He's very social media savvy because um, Iceman's always been kind of an attention seeker. So he you know, has a social media account. He live streams. It, it, it's caused problems in the past. Hmm. Um, and so the first thing he's like, well, there's vampires. You should go to Transylvania. And nobody had a counter argument to that. <laughs> so they booked tickets and flew to Transylvania. I'm like, well, okay. So I pull up Google maps and start finding, like, let's find a nightclub that has vampire themed nightclub. I'm like, let's probably those in Transylvania. And sure enough, there's like a dozen of them in Transylvania yeah. proper. So I picked one and they went there and they sure enough, the vampires are there because like, again, move the plot in front of the players. It's like, yes, the vampires are in Transylvania. Why the hell not? Um, and uh, so uh, Bobby got a flash mob together of people and started getting the vampires trending on Twitter and rolled fantastically on his role. So I'm like, oh, my uh, God. Okay. <laughs> so it was it, – it, my original plan was like you know, they would be ambushed in secrets and they would be kidnapped and the plan would get revealed that way. And it's like this still gets what I want to accomplish, but it's much more entertaining. Mm-hmm. And so they had this huge fight in the middle of the 90s era – vampire themed nightclub and it was just i think a million times better than what i had in my head <laughs> i love that uh that that is kind of just for the listeners the base topic we had covered today was just talking about kind of what games we've been playing recently because a lot of us you know are playing a lot of tabletop games over the internet and also are playing a lot of video games to unwind or to stream or with friends or mm-hmm. what have you uh, so we figured we'd just kind of ramble about those things today. So if you're not interested in what games we've been playing, you should still listen because we're funny. Um, <laughs> Everyone keeps saying that. It's like, you know, uh, what was it? Someone's on like, was, was there a requirement on the podcast to be hilarious? Was yeah, I, th- like, I no? think that was what the, the Gehenna Gaming guys was like. Right. Yeah, is there a requirement that you have to be hilarious to be on the podcast? And it's like, no. Yes. I'm here, so that's clearly not the case. Yeah. <laughs> I, I appreciate you agreeing very quickly with that, Dixie. That's great. <laughs> No, I was thinking about me. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. I was, I was like solidarity arming you, you know, like oh, the, right, okay. like the, like the, 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 the class tans. <laughs> Got solidarity. it. Solidarity. So what have you been playing? What have we been enjoying recently? Matthew was telling us about his State of Kings game. Yes. Yeah, so, so I've been playing CK3 only recently. So have uh, I. I, um, one of my uh, lovely Patreons actually uh, picked up a com- a, a copy for me, which Aww. was uh, which I didn't ask for, but it was was very kind of him. So thank you very much. Uh, and when I my favorite place to play in in CK two, I was always uh, going for Slavic kingdoms. Just enjoyed mm-hmm. it. I kind of enjoyed um, building up uh, areas such as. Uh, Minsk and making the kingdom of uh, the White Rus, and inevitably then having to fend off a besiegement of uh, Mongols about 300 years later, which never went well. But I like the challenge that comes with that. The sort of knowing that at some point a steamroller is going to demolish you. And so I've been in the uh, very early stages of my CK3 game. Uh, playing the what i think i'm trying to remember where i I, it started out as i think it just did start out as minsk and now i'm uh the white roos kingdom and it's it's just an improvement in pretty much every way to ck2 uh, it really is uh, I mean, the, I'm I'm finding bugs, and I think that's pretty typical of a game its size. It's never fun to find them, but it's also predictable. 
and I will submit them diligently, and hopefully they'll get picked up. But yeah, I've been having lots of fun uh, doing all the usual things of waging wars, getting married, murdering rivals, murdering offspring, quite frankly, and um, you know trying to prune out the the hideous uh, members of my beautiful, beautiful family. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is definitely like. <laughs> I, I I do tease my boyfriend about it sometimes because I'm like, oh, you playing eugenic simulator again? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I mean, there's it's 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 not a nice game, is it, Matthew? No, no, no. It's I mean, there's a, parts of it that are certainly light-hearted in the way of the encounters uh, that the writing team have put in there. The what they're, they're usually called decisions, I think, uh, where you'll get a random event that will be predicated on your traits being a certain amount, or you having right. a certain quality or drawback. Um, and some of those can be amusing. But the general makeup of the game is pretty bleak because if someone's not trying to murder you, you're often trying to murder someone else. And in that respect, it's pretty historically accurate because very few leaders uh, between the years 600 CE and 1600 CE were dying normal, happy, old age deaths. Most right. of them, right. most of them, uh, came to an end via some horrible means or other, either in war or via assassination, being deposed and dying in poverty, that kind of thing. Or so terrible that... illness, even. Yep, yep. Uh, so yeah, in that respect, it's a very good simulation. But uh, as in terms of grand strategy games, I don't think CK three can really be beaten. At this point, which is as it should be, it is the newest grand strategy game of its kind on the market. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, I'm having lots and lots of fun. Haven't cannibalized the Pope yet, as uh, everyone else is trying oh to do. <laughs> one one point three million players, you said, have have cannibalized the Pope. Apparently so, according to the text file that came with the latest patch for CK3, I think it's 1.3 million people have cannibalized the Pope. It's some ridiculous figure, like 8 million players have petted an animal uh, during the course of the game. <laughs> I've petted so many animals. I, so in, <laughs> in one of my games, like one of the random encounters you can get um, is that you can find a cat or a dog. Um, mm-hmm. And so one of my games, my king found a cat and he adopted it and his wife was like i'm allergic and i was like fuck you um the cat stays because <laughs> uh, cats are cool and then i adopted a dog and the cat killed the duck wow like they had a fight and i was like i was like oh shit the dog's gonna kill the cat because you know size differences right. um but no the cat the cat killed the dog and then i just had a cat for several years until it died of old age um and it was my constant companion and gave me great comfort so I have a question, and surprisingly, it's not about the dog or the cat. Okay. Um, which would be on brand for me. No, um, I did try to play Crusader Kings 2, and I thought at the time that there was a pretty heavy learning curve on the game. I, Is that still true of 3? No. I picked 2 up kind of late in its cycle, and it mm-hmm. had too many things to do right. at that point. Like, I was often very confused, and there were whole swaths of the game that I never quite figured out. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not had that problem at all in CK3. There's a really good tutorial uh, section. Okay. So, mm-hmm. like, when you first start the game, it'll say, like, do you want to play this tutorial, King? And you and it'll, it'll, you know, flash things on the screen at you and everything else. And so I find that with a lot of the the, the Paradox games, especially their their strategy games, like, uh, what's, what's the space one? Stellaris. Stellaris. Stellaris, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you come in their development cycle too late and they have, like, 10 expansions... The tutorial doesn't do shit. Like mm, I tried right. to play, I, I I purchased and tried to play Stellaris exactly once, and uh, probably should have gotten a refund because I was like, I don't understand any of this, and there are eighteen thousand buttons on my screen. Right. Um. But with 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 CK three not having that issue at all, it's 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 very beginner friendly. Yeah, I've, well, I've played quite a lot of the uh, Paradox Grand Strategy games now, and I although it's not. It's not terribly extensive. It doesn't last hours. The tutorial for CK3 is probably the best one. Uh, when compared to... I, there, there's certain things it doesn't go into, which I have found a little bit frustrating because the interface 
uh, where on the or the overlay on this game where I'm trying to find out. So how do I actually change my laws of succession? Isn't necessarily, uh, I guess, organically placed, uh, right. but mm-hmm. but I, I've worked it out by through trial and error. Uh, but when I compare it to something like Hearts of Iron Four, which is a game I really enjoy, uh, that game's tutorial is. And apologies if any of the Hearts of Iron 4 team are listening to this. Probably not, but if you are, we would still love your sponsorship. Your tutorial <laughs> is awful. It's It prepares you for a single skirmish-esque war with Ethiopia as Italy. And um, you are, of course, given the, uh, the time, 1936, in that game, almost guaranteed to win. It is almost impossible Ooh. to lose, I should say. And after that, the game pretty much says, you've won a war, now you're on your own. <laughs> and in terms of how to actually build up armies, defences, how you should uh, structure your your uh, your armies, basically, uh, what kinds of units you should fill into them, uh, there is no guidance whatsoever for that. So as soon as you start going up against someone who's a slightly larger, more well-prepared AI, uh, you're dead. Mm. And you basically spend your time with the game open in one window, well, one monitor if you've got two monitors, and the wiki open, which the fans created in the other. Oh, no. Uh, until you get it right. Wow. And I've been playing it for a while, and I do. I always enjoy playing a challenging, uh, I guess, nation because I'm a masochist when it comes to video games. But. Right. Uh, I, and I've done pretty well with Yugoslavia, but it was a real uphill struggle to l- even learn how to become good as Yugoslavia. I don't want to have to watch actual plays on YouTube from veteran gamers to get an idea of how to play. So CK3 just does it straight off the bat. I think anyone can get mm-hmm. into that one. Yeah, it was it was pretty easy to play and you felt accomplished and it, it taught you about most of the... Uh features of the game uh the one thing it didn't teach you that i was annoyed about is a very tiny thing which is that you could actually change your character's appearance oh and i was like oh it didn't tell me that but my boyfriend found it and told me so now i can change what they look uh, like. this, this is now the ck3 episode but just uh quickly um <laughs> do you know dixie is it possible to change characters names uh not as far as i know once they're set like yeah so one of the bugs I've discovered is names don't always populate, or sometimes they populate with erroneous characters. And I don't know whether it's just because where I'm playing on the map, there haven't been enough names programmed into the script. Uh, mm-hmm. I hope it's something a little more complex than that. But sometimes, I was saying to Eddie before we started recording, I'll get an event that says, blank, it'll just be a blank space, has discovered an ass- assassination plot in your court against blank and then of course you have the option of going with blank suggestion and investigating it arresting blank or ignoring blank and you don't have an idea who these people are i haven't gotten and, that bug okay well the, the other one is i'm guessing people in my court whose names are separated with underscores uh, which uh, isn't, as far as i know a part of the slavic alphabet i haven't gotten that bug either and i've played slavic like, I've just yeah. gotten Slavic names. See, I got a character who I'm guessing her name was supposed to be Vera or something like Vera. Uh-huh. And I got V-E underscore R capital A. Uh, so, yeah, it looked very odd. I've taken screenshots of it, so they'll be wanging their way over to Paradox. <laughs> uh, yeah, the only other thing I could think of is um, maybe you got, weirdly somehow got an early build. I don't know. That 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 sounds very weird to me because I haven't seen any of that. Hmm. Like I I have honestly not encountered a single bug in the game. Okay. Wow. Oh, that's, um, that's good. Yeah. Uh there is a fun Easter egg, and that's that some of the developers and writers uh have their names in the game. So when I was mm-hmm. playing as Queen Matilda of Italy, um, and later Empress Matilda, because I founded an empire, uh I had uh, Bianca, one of our writers, as well as one of our knights, because I was playing oh, nice. with the matriarchy setting on the like full matrilineal setting. 
So mm-hmm. all my rulers were women, all my knights were women, the Pope was a woman, priests were women, um, which was really cool. Uh, yeah. And so one of my knights showed up and it was it was Bianca's full name. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, hey, <laughs> I know her. <laughs> yeah, and I apparently the... they're changing the portraits to make it look more like them. Apparently, oh, they, cool. yeah, they have now done that. Uh, I oh, think cool. Bianca posted a screenshot somewhere of how she looks in the game now. So, uh, nice. for, for the for the uh, sake of reference, the listeners, Bianca Savazzi, who does work for us as a uh, writer and is just um, co-developing a book with me now, uh, also works for Paradox Interactive, hence why her name's in the game. Ah, yeah. But um, yeah, uh, I've not I've not discovered her yet, but I've worked for a little while for paradox and so it will be interesting to see whose names i do recognize from yeah i definitely only saw her when i was playing in italy so i'm assuming that they tried to match the names with the geographical locations their names would make sense yeah that makes sense because yeah you wouldn't see like a savatsi in you know far eastern russia probably at that time So, so that, that, that's our CK3 ramble. Uh, lots of Crusader Kings 3. <laughs> um, Eddie, what have you been playing recently? Oh, well, I have, uh, I've fallen down a, um, a fan translation rabbit hole. Um, so there's another an entire... one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is a video game fan translation as opposed to the, the Russian Sherlock fan translation. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, uh, uh, so um, the, uh, there's, an, uh, there's a great website called romhacking.net, which basically is people who not only do fan translations of, of games in different languages, but also they, they hack ROMs. They, they hack games in different shapes and different structures. Um, and so uh, the first one I started playing was uh, uh, Dai Gyokuten Saiban, which is the great Ace Attorney. It's the Ace Attorney spinoff that's set in 1901 and features Sherlock Holmes. So, of course, I'm going to play that. Um, and, I mean, in general, that's pretty typical Ace Attorney uh, it's a little bit longer than the usual games. It's you got a beautiful, beautiful orchestral score. Um, but basically, it's you talk to people for a long time, you uh, search crime scenes, you find evidence, and you go to court and you present your case in increasingly implausible ways. Um, uh, uh, the uh, minor spoiler, but um, when you get to England's, um, so you start as a Japanese attorney. Uh, when you get to England's, you get to, to uh, uh, the great the old Bailey. Um, the court is you have a jury of six people, and whenever they decide someone to be guilty or innocent, they slam their fist on the table and a fireball shoots up and goes into either the black scale for guilty or the white scale for innocent, um, which is exactly how courts were done in 1901 in England, as far as my research is determined. So hmm. that's, that's pretty accurate. Um, uh, but the other one that's a little more interesting for my game designer brain uh, is a game called Game Center CX, uh, CX2 specifically. Um, the first version of the game was localized in the US as Retro Game Challenge. Um, but I got the, the second one because I, a lot of people said that it was just a far superior game. And it's a little DS game. The basic premise is weird but simple. Um, you're turned into a child and sent back in time to 1984 uh, by some uh, uh, weird entity called Areno. Uh, and Areno has challenged you to beat video games. If you beat video, video game retro game challenges, he will eventually send you back to your own time. Um, so hmm. uh, the game has... 15 different completely fictional uh, uh, retro video games. Um, there's uh, a Pac-Man clone. There's a, a couple of Mario clones. There's some shooters. There's a role-playing game. There's a text adventure. Um, and they're all made up for this game. Uh, but what's fascinating, it's a great use of the, the Nintendo DS system where the top screen is the game you're playing. The bottom screen is a picture of you in the living room playing with your friends and you know, hooked up to the TV. You're playing with your Game Boy or Game Boy knockoff or what have you. Uh, and there's also uh, magazines you get. So um, as you unlock games, you also get different issues of the magazine. The magazines have interviews with these fictional game designers, game tips, um, walkthroughs, and the games even have uh, cheat codes programmed into them that the magazines will reveal for you. Uh, and so it's it's really interesting for a couple of reasons to me. The first is it's a nice way of emulating playing classic video games without actually dealing with the all the frustrations of that right um the games are are very slightly modernized um so you can play through a game with reasonable skill in a couple of hours as opposed to banging your head against the wall for for months um 
but the other thing that's interesting it's got me thinking is that it's there are magazines that tell you cheat codes and the cheat codes program the game so you're not going to an external website and finding cheats this is something mm-hmm. that's programmed in the game and the game is encouraging you to find so are they still cheats or are they playing the game as designed <laughs> right um and so it's been really interesting to to do that. And also um, the challenges are, are structured in such a way that um, basically each game has four core challenges. Um, and the first three are just really a tutorial functionally because uh, there's also an instruction manual for each game that you can read through. But also it's like, you know, go, um, you know, score a thousand points, uh, collect two of these things. And those teach you the different elements and aspects of the game. And the last one is usually do some modestly hard, you know, defeat a, up the first boss or finish the first level. Um, and then when you finish the nine core games, um, then you, the, the last challenge is like harder versions of four of those games. Hmm. Um, so it's interesting because the game's teaching you how to play these fictional games. Uh, the games are clearly homages to other games. And I think I've learned how to play things like platformers better from playing this. I don't think they're fictional games if you're playing them, are they? Well, I mean, they are games that are... <laughs> they, they, they have a fictional background, I should say. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, like, for example, the, the first one is Wizman, um, which is a Pac-Man clone, but you're playing a wizard, and you have to grab a certain color of wand to go eat dots of that color by holding that wand. Right. Um, and there are a whole bunch of 1984-ish Pac-Man clones, because Pac-Man was such a huge phenomenon. Um, and so it's kind of emulating that, but it's made by a fictional game company called Tomato. Um, but the magazines talk about interviews with Wizman and how the home console version differs from the arcade version, which you don't get to see at all. Um, right, stuff right, like right. That. So like, so, so, even though the game exists, its whole background is, is fictionalized. That's cool. Right, exactly. And so you play from 1984 to about 1992, and you also, there are interviews like, um, uh, 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 here's how this console is going to change things. Um, at one point, uh, the uh, Guardia Quest Saga is one of the, the role playing games you play. And that's yeah, a 10 hour full role playing game. I mean, it's, 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 it's small, but it's legit. It, you know, you, you grind levels, you power up. But through the magazines, um, it, was, it, it looks like it's going to be the third game you're going to play, and then it gets delayed. Um, and so you play the four, you play the actual third game, and then they decide that a new console is coming out, so they delayed it again to go for the hardware of the new console. Um, and so you actually go through the frustration of not being able to play this game for like in-game two years, but it's actually like in two or three different games before I actually get to play the game. So there's a, even like production delays are emulated in this game. It's really, really fascinatingly cool. So it's been fun to kind of cool poke that in and see how to, especially because I'm working on a game right now, which is also emulating video games. Um, so it's been really helpful to kind of think about how that's doing that. I love that you're like the one, I, I feel like of the three of us, you're always the one who manages to find work in <laughs> like leisure activities. That's not a good thing. Because like when I'm playing a game, even if it's like an RPG, so it's a direct analogy to how we mm-hmm. you know do stuff. It's like, I don't think about work while I'm playing a game. I'm playing a game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I mean, for me, um, some of it is, is uh, just decades of doing this. Like, you know, right. it, it's, I've learned how to do research so much that it's kind of intuitive, but also um, uh, this goes on something that I think Matthew has talked about in the past in the podcast is that um, if you're working in this industry, you have to kind of keep playing in this industry too. You can't, you should be running games, mm-hmm. you should be playing games um, uh, to keep your enthusiasm up. And so that's the main reason why I do it is like, you know, I, I just really enjoy um, uh, playing these things. But then I find when I'm really into a game, I start kind of deconstructing it naturally. Like I, I just think the television, do the same thing with novels. It's like, I'm really into this. So why is this working for me? Um, and I'm able to articulate it. And it's 50% um, trying to continue to find and refine my skills and 50% justifying the research expense for all these games I buy. (laughs) (laughs) No, totally. I, I, I get that when I, I know when I, when I bought my, uh, my, my desktop a couple years back, I was like, yeah, I need it for work, even though work is mostly word processing. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also play video games on it. <laughs> right. I was just like, yeah, I need this giant monitor so I can do side-by-side document comparisons, which I don't usually do. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Um, yeah, same thing. It is really helpful laptop. for working in InDesign. They're not not InDesign, but in copy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and when I got my laptop, it was like the I need a, a, a strong gaming console because if I get a video game job, I might have to run on optimized code and blah 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 blah. <laughs> I haven't actually been playing. CK3 as much recently. I've been playing a shit ton of other games, though. I've been... Because of the, of the you know, summer, <laughs> I've nice. actually saved some money because I haven't been going out and I haven't been buying clothes or anything, really. Uh, true. Yeah. Um, so I splurged a little bit recently and bought a few video games and also uh, a bunch of clothes, because why not? I was like, I was like oh, I'll wear them next year. Um, so I've been playing a shit ton of games. I've been playing Among Us with friends. Uh, mm -hmm. which I probably most of our listeners are at least vaguely aware of. Um, if not, it's essentially Werewolf. It's one of those games. Werewolf, right. Town of Salem, Secret Hitler, whatever. Um, but you're, pl you're, you're, you're playing as tiny little spacemen running around on, on a little space station. Um, and uh, two of you, like one, one or two of you are imposters, depending on how many of you are there, and you're just trying to murder everybody. And if you're not the imposter, you're trying to figure out who the imposters are. And it's really fun and very silly. So I'm playing that a fair amount with people. Um, I've also been playing Hades, the new game Hades. Mm -hmm. It's incredibly good. Really? What's it about? Um, so it's like an isometric action game. Uh, you are playing as the son of Hades, Zagreus, um, mm -hmm. trying to escape the underworld with mm -hmm. the help of boons from some of the Olympus gods. Um because they're, they're kind of like, eh, Hades is kind of a jerk. You should come live with us. Um, mm. And part of the game is that it expects you to die and come back over and over again. Like, you okay. are not supposed to make it on the first try. Right. Um, because every time you die and come back, you have new conversations and interactions with the people that oh. live in Hades' uh, castle, I guess. Interesting. Um and it's super, super interesting. It's very well voiced. The art is beautiful. Like I cannot get over how beautiful all the all the, all the gods and other characters look. Um, I haven't actually made it out yet, and I've had like twenty five attempts. Uh, but the game is also uh, kind of randomly generated as far as the rooms, so you're not going through mm. the same sequence every time. Like so, it's kind of a roguelike. Yeah. Yeah. And you like you like pick different doors whenever you leave a room, depending on what reward you want, and you're going to get different enemies and things like that. Um, even the like final bosses of each stage change d depending on how far in the game you are. Wow. Um, and I'm sure there are people that escape after like three tries. But this is not my kind of game, and also I really should be playing with a controller and not on my keyboard. Um, yeah. Because my 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 thumb started to hurt when I was playing for a couple, <laughs> few hours on Sunday. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, but it is it is such a beautiful game it is so well voiced and it, it really it does hit that like kind of addiction game switch of like I'll just do one more run yeah, <laughs> uh, which is not always the best thing but it means I've played it a lot more than I thought I would <laughs> yeah, I was, like, that's great though like okay I'll do one more run and then I'll stop and then I'll finish that one and be like oh but I was so close I'll do one more run <laughs> um, I, can, I, I can pretty generally get through the first two levels now which is Tartarus and Aspidel Mm -hmm. um i'm not great I, I i've gotten through elysian fields i think four times now five times i'm the final boss of elysian fields has gotten me every time not the final mm -hmm. boss but the boss after you get out so i i've, I've technically escaped but i haven't actually gotten to walk away yet <laughs> right oh that's so bad so close yeah yeah exactly but yes yeah, so you're like trying to you know just get out of there and join the other gods and hades is like i don't want you to do that you're a, you're you're a brat <laughs> oh yeah and there's there's six different weapons you can change your weapons you can upgrade them you get experience every time so you get tougher uh there's also a god mode if you're not into the super hard stuff where every time you die and come back you get you gain two percent damage re resistance Oh, okay. So if you like, it won't affect the game. It doesn't affect your achievements even. It just means mm. that you get gradually tougher as you go through. I actually like that a lot. And I've been playing that way after my first few attempts. So I, 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 I have like, you know, 50% damage resistance now, which means I can reasonably get farther every time, which is cool. Is it a side scroller? Or? It's an isometric um, top down. Okay. Yeah. 
Nice. Yeah, I've been hearing excellent things about it. A lot of people I know have been playing it and just singing its praises, so I will inevitably check it out at some point. It is so good. The like the, the, the art is amazing. The music is amazing. Um, it's by what Supergiant, who did Bastion. And uh, right, yeah, they did Bastion and the other kind of cyberpunky one. Yeah, it starts with a T. I always forget that one. But yeah, so their 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 games are pretty known for having like super good music. Um, this one, I would say, combines a lot of the elements of the other ones. Like you could unlock upgrades for the house too as you go through it. So, so some of them are just like decor. Like you can get a new dog bed for Cerberus. Um, also, you can pet Cerberus every time you come back, Eddie. Every time. Well, that's excellence. Yeah, I I pet the dog every time. I got an achievement for petting the dog ten times. Um, Hooray! Yeah. So some of them are just like cosmetic, but then there's some things that you could unlock and it, it, it changes the more you die, you like get more things added to it every now and then. So after a few attempts, all of a sudden it was like, do you want a fishing pole? And I was like, what the fuck am I going to do with a fishing pole? And then I could fish in some of the rivers of the underworld randomly in certain spots. And then you can like give the fish to the cook in Hades' house who will give you rewards for them. And it was just like wow. a random element that popped up that I was like, okay, I guess I'll fish. That's cool. I think I think it's a response to every fishing mini game in every game. I mean, it was just surprising because it, it, it wasn't introduced for the first like 10 runs, you know? And then suddenly oh, okay. it was like, give me a diamond and I will sell you a fishing pole. And I was like, what the fuck am I going to do with this? And it's not often that you can do it. Like there's like a little glowy spot occasionally in one of the rivers and you can mm -hmm. go fish at it. And yeah, but it's it's just it was wild. But no, the uh, the story is phenomenal. Like the the writing and voice acting are both excellent. Highly recommend. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I'll check that out. Yeah. What about RPGs? Tabletop RPGs. Remember them with all your glossy video games. <laughs> I want to talk about one TVs. more video game as a bridge. Then, real quick. Sure. Ooh, okay. So I discovered a game. I don't know if it's pronounced Wildermyth or Wildermyth, but it's spelled exactly like it sounds based on what I just said. Um, it is an RPG uh, video game. It's on Steam. It's in, I want to say, like early access right now. So it's not entirely complete, which means that it gets a little repetitive if, if, if you play it a few times. Um, but it is a procedurally generated world uh, where you play a, a, essentially a small D&D &D party. So you start out with like three heroes. Um, and you go through and you fight things and you level up. It's all done in a really adorable, like, paper cutout style. So when you're actually fighting monsters, you're on, like, a grid, and they actually move as if you were moving, like, a mini. Like, they, they kind of, like, you know, tick, 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 like, across the board. Um, all the monster art is really cool. The characters themselves... Uh, you can change any of them at any time, which is nifty. So they're customizable as far as their name, their gender. They have, well, they're, yeah, they have, they have uh, she, her, he, him, and, and they, them. Um, they also have sexualities, which is, you know, you can be attracted to men, women, or any, uh, which is cool. They're very, very inclusive. Um, and then you like make your little party, you level up, you do age and eventually like leave the party. Um, you can die in combat too, which is a whole thing. Huh. Uh, but if your character makes it to retirement, they go into your like legacy characters and then mm. later you can play legacy games with them. But I find all the random encounters in this game so charming. Um, and also the fights are pretty fun. Like you can have archers, um, rogues, warriors, and, uh, like casters. And the way casting works in the game is actually super interesting. They infuse with things on the landscape. Like if there's a rock, they interfuse with the rock and then they can fling rocks at the bad guys. It's a really interesting magic system. Um, but I've been loving this game. I think it's super cute. It's super inclusive. Sometimes your characters will become like romantically involved and they'll have a kid who will then later join your party. Um, <laughs> if you get later in the game where you've recruited a bunch of heroes, you can sometimes have two parties like going off and doing different things at once because the max amount in one party is is five. Uh, but yeah, no, it's a really, really fun little game. The the, like, the only criticism that I have and that I've seen people on the Steam store have is that it does get repetitive after a while. And that's true, but it's, I think, because it's early access and they plan to be adding a lot more encounters and adventures and stuff because they're all written by somebody. Um, 
which is also cool. They actually uh, like tell you who wrote each encounter, like oh. as if it's a story. It'll be like Sneak Thief by so-and-so, you know? And you can acquire little pets. There's like all kinds of just cute things I keep discovering about this game. You can transform into like a fire elemental by touching wow. magic fire. Uh, you can transform into like a gem creature by prying a gem out of a thing. Uh, one of my characters has transformed partially into a wolf. Another one is pretty much fully transformed into a giant uh, crow. Uh, so all of her attacks now are attacks with her like claws and beak. And yeah. Yeah, and I, I was just uh, looking at the art while you were talking about it, and it looks like they've really committed to that kind of paper cutout thing, because like even the UI, mm -hmm. like the damage and stuff over top of their heads is angle at the same plane as the paper cutout. Yeah, yes, they're they're quite committed to it. <laughs> and it's, it's really very cool. cute. Yeah. Yeah, and it's all like watercolory. It's 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 really pretty. Um I super enjoy it. Your your characters each have very specific personalities. Uh yeah, I don't know. I just I, I spent like a weekend pretty much just playing that and had a blast. So I recommend it. And because that bridges into RPGs, what tabletop games have you been playing? Anyone? Matthew? I know that you run like a bunch of games. Yeah. Yeah, I run far too many, probably. Um, so yeah, I've been running Pendragon actually on the same, on the, that Crusader Kings uh, line of thinking. And uh, again, sorry to bore you, Eddie. Some of what I've already told him. Uh, is... Gosh, Matthew. I, well, I, I love Pendragon. I think it's a fantastic game, re brilliantly researched. Uh, I do think it has its flaws, um, mainly surrounding its treatment of um, women, uh, which it's it has the same, I guess, treatment as A Song of Ice and Fire and other pseudo-historical, uh, I guess, medieval fantasy worlds where the idea is that because women tend to take tended to take second class roles in history they have to in historical fantasy as well I'm so annoyed about of that the, uh, the existence of dragons and right. wizards and exactly they like present me a world where they're like you 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 are going to believe that dragons and magic are real but it would be too implausible for women to have jobs yeah and I'm like e exactly what, what? <laughs> so the the way it comes up in Pendragon as a flaw, and again, I, I shouldn't probably shouldn't focus on the flaw first, but it's a fairly glaring one. My gaming group has uh, two guys, two ladies in, and the Pendragon default is you're all playing knights, uh, male knights, and part of the uh, job of those knights or the quest of those knights is not only to attain glory, do things like be the knight that uh, that actually knights Arthur as a child, be the knight that retrieves Excalibur from the lake, be the knight that hunts down the questing beast, that kind of thing. That's all good fun. Right. But it's also about, um, much like in Crusader Kings, finding a spouse and getting her pregnant and ensuring she has enough pregnancies that your lineage can continue uh, because children tend to die very young in the dark ages and uh, and so do mothers and the upshot of it is uh, women tend to be seen rather much as sort of chattels commodities uh, and while the game doesn't use misogynistic language uh, or it isn't hateful to women, it has the that medieval fantasy traditional treatment of women Bleh. to the point that the Great Pendragon campaign, which again is a brilliant campaign because it takes you all the way through from Uther's reign to the end of Arthur's reign. There are encounters every single year for around I think 150 years, so it can mm -hmm. sustain a long period of role-playing right. uh, has about three or four named women throughout and about Jeez. 200 named men. And it's because in the Arthurian legends, of course, all of the protagonists are men. Um, you know, barring the Lady of the Lake and Guinevere, really. Um, that and Morgan Le Fay. I'd say are all the women yeah. that I can name from Arthurian yeah. legends. Yeah. Now, in 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 
its defense, well, not its defense, but what is good about Pendragon is the rulebook does basically say, hey, do you want to play a uh, woman knight? That's absolutely fine. The um, the campaign doesn't necessarily cater to that because it sticks to the traditional Arthurian myth, but ha- here's how you can make some changes. So it gives you some advice on that. Uh, the problem is that the default isn't that. Um, but the good thing is the players that I'm running for right now are really enjoying the aspect of doing things like maintaining one's domain, the stewardship side of things, the uh, the, the familial politicking, uh, which I'm more or less adding to the game because the game, as written, focuses more on battles and uh, taking down Saxon chieftains and things like that. So I'm get the, the players have all constructed their family trees, and I've given them all traits in the same way as Crusader Kings. So you have a brother like Tolls the Greedy that basically tells you all about who Tolls is, and uh, a Moriad the uh, what did we have? Um, Moriad the Suspicious and characters like that. Mm-hmm. So then whenever they're not on quests and they're back in their fiefdoms, they have role play to be had. Uh, based on who their siblings are, what they might want, who their children are, their uncles, and so on, and aunts. Um, But yeah, there's a definite masculine focus to the game that I think, for a modern audience, needs to be polished, shaved down a bit. And it's, it's quite possible to do it. It's just a bit disappointing the book isn't already built that way. Yeah, I think even for a modern group, it can be easy to fall into that that trap because it's so baked into a lot of RPGs. Yeah, um, oh, definitely. Like even uh, this, this is a total anecdote, but I've I've been playing V five uh, with with a with, with a home group, which is super fun. Um, and until very recently, I was the only woman um, in mm-hmm. the group. We we have we have since added another one, which is great. Uh, but for a while, it was it was me and a bunch of guys, um, which is fine. Like we had a, we had a great group dynamic. They're all super nice. They're all super chill. Uh, you know, we're all like kind of politically in the same place. So it, 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 it wasn't a problem, but I did point out to our storyteller after about five or six sessions, I was like, you realize that whenever we meet NPCs, the ones that are coming to me for quests, essentially the ones that you have my character interact with are all women. And he didn't even think about it. He was trying to be more inclusive by putting a bunch of women NPCs in, because we have a ton of, you know, women NPCs in the books. Um, and he did not even realize that, like, the unconscious bias meant that all the women were interacting with my character. Right. And I was like, that's, like, she's trying, like, she's a power-hungry Lysandra. <laughs> it's like, people like, you know, Horatio Ballard should be talking to her, Alan Sovereign, like, mm-hmm. some of the movers and shakers in Chicago. Like, it shouldn't, I mean, granted, she's still fine talking to, like, Portia and Bronwyn and whoever else, but that it, she shouldn't be exclusively talking to women. Right. Um, and it, it, it has since been fixed. Like, I pointed it out, he said, my God, you're right. Um, and it has since been fixed. I even noticed in our Trinity game, Matthew, all three of your contacts were all men. So I made all three of mine women. <laughs> Huh. So that our game would be, <laughs> uh, would, would have gender parity. Yeah, no, no. It's uh, that obviously was uh, completely unconscious, but I appreciate you pointing it out. Luckily, that's an easy thing I can change. I mean, it, um, it wasn't I a problem. Like I said, yeah, no. I added three women, and so I figured that would make it all make sense. But I, th- I, I think it's just like when you're making your your touchstones and stuff like that. Sometimes you just you know subconsciously essentially make them other characters you would play, and often that ends up being the same gender as you, which is interesting. That doesn't make sense. Like, I have definitely played... Like, that that Wildermyth game I was just talking about, I have to keep reminding myself to also make, like, male NPCs. <laughs> or, or, like, male PCs. Because I, I keep making all of my characters women and non-binary people. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, Which is fine, actually. Like... If you have two women and they get romantically involved, they'll come back with a kid and there's no explanation. It's just their kid. And that's totally cool. Um, but like, I'm trying to be representative of everybody. The other cool thing about Wildermyth, what, one one more quick thing, sorry, is that none of these styles are locked into any of the genders. So you can make like a, you know, masculine, quote unquote, bodied, long haired woman 
or mm. you know a non-binary person or what have you uh you can have a tall bearded non-binary person or woman which is super 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 cool for me because i've actually been it's such a weird thing i've actually been using the game a little bit to train me out of assuming the gender of people based on how they look mm. uh, which is something that i've been trying to train myself out of for a long time Mm-hmm. But I don't feel bad as much if I misgender the fictional character in the game that only I'm playing. Right. So I can just correct myself and move on without the guilt. Right. Like I will see a character and I'll be like her because, you know, they look traditionally femme. And then I'll be like, wait, they. And I'll move mm-hmm. on. And if my boyfriend comes in and is like, she's a cool looking character, I'll be like they. And then he'll be like, oh, sorry. And he'll correct himself and move on. Right. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's been a tool for that that I did not expect. That's cool, actually, yeah. Actually, in our V5 game, we've been uh, dealing a lot with Alexa Santos, uh, who uses they, them pronouns. And I correct people every time they mess up because her once again, see, I just did it. Their picture Mm -hmm. in the book looks pretty femme. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that everybody keeps unconsciously being like her, her, her. And so I like we we correct each other and Mm -hmm. it's not harming someone directly because it's a fictional character. Right. And so we can just correct and move on. Yep. It's just it's just an interesting thing about gaming that I think is kind of cool. It really is. That you can use it to help unlearn your uh, gender binary stuff that you were raised with. Well, I've already put that on my wish list, so there we go. Cool. What about you, Eddie? What about... Yeah, yeah sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what I was getting playing? carried away. What have you been playing tabletop-wise? Um... Quite a few things, actually. Um, so kind of bridging both um, areas, uh, I have been playing some digital board games a little bit. Um, I, I, was in a, I was in a brief uh, Blood Bowl League online and also uh, played a sentence of multiversification with some friends, um, which is it's actually kind of fun. It's a way to kind of get that tabletop itch without actually being in the same table, so that that's nice. Um, but actual RPG-wise, um, uh, uh, both... Um, well, I played in the short uh, game of uh, Dungeons & Dragons Rick and Morty, the, the kind of uh, 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 yeah, yeah. one-shot module, um, which was actually surprisingly quite fun. Uh, uh, it helped that all the people involved uh, were fans of Rick and Morty, so we could play. The, the, the premise is that you are playing one of the characters from the show who is then playing a character in D&D. So you're kind of playing your character as that character from the show would portray them as. Uh, and the DM is, is Interesting. Rick. So Rick oh, is kind of an asshole killer DM, but that's the joke of it. Um, and so it actually ended up being kind of fun because it's it was a way to play kind of quote-unquote classic meat grinder game, but with humor. So that way it's not as irritating and frustrating. That reminds me of that Borderlands 2 DLC. Yeah, a bit. Like Tiny Tina's, yeah. Bonkers and Badasses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's definitely kind of that that kind of aesthetic, I think. Um, but also, it lasted for like four or five sessions, which is about as long as that should probably take. Mm-hmm. You know, the joke starts to run run thin, and the game's over. It's like, cool, great. That's about the right length. Um, uh, but now, um, uh, my wife is running uh, one of the Forgotten Realms modules. I came recently. I've already blanked on it. It's not Dragon Heist. We, we were playing Dragon Heist in, around the table before COVID hit, and so now she picked up a different one with a different group. Um, Ah, again, I can think of it. Um, but basically, she she bought one of the um, Roll Twenty packages. So basically, you buy it, and you get all the maps and the information mm-hmm. and and the stuff for free, or not for free, but you know, all all made up and done. Um, and uh, so she canvassed her friends, and, and actually a lot of our UK friends were interested. So um, very actually hang out with some of our friends that we haven't seen in probably a decade. Um, from the LARP community and uh, other people that we had friends with in the UK because she has to kind of game with them. It's their evening, but our afternoon. So on the weekends, it actually works out pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and uh, I've been slowly running uh, a sequel to my last Marvel game. Um, I've been, I'll be honest, I've been struggling with running games online. Uh, um, it, it's been a weird source of anxiety for me. Right. And, uh, so I've been trying to run a game. It's with people that I'm very comfortable with, and it's a game system I'm very comfortable with. So it's like, let's start with just remove as many factors as possible. Um, and I've been slowly 
getting better at it to the point where now it's like I feel like in the next few months maybe I can start actually doing running games for online conventions again. Um, uh, but I didn't want to do Pugmire because that felt too much like work, and I didn't want to do D and D because that also feels too much like work because it's kind of like Pugmire. Um, and so I'm running this for a short session that and people have been having fun with that. Uh, uh, and also because it's a superhero game, I don't have to worry about like maps or too much of the technical fiddly bits of digital or virtual tabletops. Mm-hmm. Um, but then from there, like if that does well, what I may do is I have over the course of my life acquired a disturbing amount of quick starts and jump starts from various <laughs> games. How much do you have to get before you have a disturbing amount of quick starts and jump starts? Uh, 40 plus. <laughs> That's a fair amount. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, it's like, you know what? Maybe I'll just, now it may be a good time to kind of just start running some of these. Like, rather than running the whole game, it's like buy the whole game, set it all up. It's like, you know, just take this jump start, run it for two or three sessions online with a group and see how that goes. And oh, that was fun. Maybe we'll pick up the whole game. Or not. Okay, we had a few hours of fun and we can move on. Um, and there's a whole, it might be a way to kind of try some of these games out that I've been looking at for a while in, in a very confined space, um, without actually committing a ton of resources. And if it's online, it, it, people don't have to feel like they've wasted their time coming to play. They can just log in. And if we don't feel it after a session, we can just throw it away and move on. No one cares. So, right. So I'm mulling over. That's cool. I've also been doing, if, if, if anybody wants to watch, uh, me play games, I've also been doing some one shots with Gehenna Gaming. For their Saturday night one shots, um, and we'll be probably doing some stuff in the future which as well. Which ones have you been playing? I, I did Alien. I did Vason. I think it's pronounced the Scandinavian folk horror game. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so I've got those, and then who knows? I'll probably be in other ones in the future because I like playing with those folks. They're fun. Uh, and Eddie's still streaming. I think occasionally. Yes. Yes, I am still streaming my uh, mystery games right now on Wednesdays. Matthew, can people watch you play somewhere? Oh, can they? Uh, well, if they... No. <laughs> <laughs> nah. As nah. I was about to suggest a convention that I'm at, but by the time this goes out, that will be over. Um, I mean, if people want to play with me, uh, and uh, I know this is somewhat of a shilling for myself, uh, I run games for people who support my Patreon. I'm currently running, as mentioned, Pendragon. Uh, Broken Rooms, which is a sort of cross-dimensional alternate Earth game I really enjoy. It's really quite popular uh, in the UK convention scene. Yeah, I want to try that uh, at some point. I keep hearing good things about it. It, 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 has a, it has a really innovative mechanic as well, uh, which is a, it's a bit gimmicky, but it works. And it uses D12s as its dice uh, system, which hmm. is unusual enough to be fun. Um, but yeah, I'm also running Pathfinder, Call of Cthulhu, Vampire the Masquerade. So yeah, I've got several games on the go, but I'm always happy to get more players as old ones drop out or, you know, life demands them be elsewhere. So yeah, well, I'm not, uh, role-playing for an audience other than on here, of course, with Trinity. Right. Uh, I am always happy to run for people. Cool. That's exciting. I'm, I'm always happy to play any games. So if anybody has, uh games they want a guest person in or anything or want to play in let me know i like playing games it's fun um, i especially like playing not on xpath games sometimes because i love our games but we play them fairly often <laughs> right. and i read them fairly often oh yeah i uh, well, that's the thing i do one shots of all of the they came from games and variations on the they came from games pretty frequently either with patreons my regular gaming group I, I never sort of include them in the lineup because I it, I know it sounds awful, but it is part of my job. Right. right. Um, but I enjoy it. So it's not a bad thing that is part of my job. I'm just very fortunate that my job is something I enjoy doing. But yeah, uh, so I, I'm always doing playtesting for games like they came from or, uh, or again, Vampire the Masquerade. If there's a new lore sheet we've written, I'll try and stress test some of the powers in it. But uh, most of the situations, well, Vampire the Masquerade especially is a very situational role-playing game, making playtesting quite hard, whereas I consider a game like D&D or Pathfinder, which is primarily based around combats, 
a little easier to stress test mm -hmm. because you can anticipate better how players are going to fall into certain archetypal roles, such as fighters, wizards, clerics, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But Vampire is a really difficult game to test because it's so character-driven rather than class-driven. Yeah, I don't right. think that we did any roles the last session I played aside from our rouse checks. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, I was just... It was a lot of talking. Like, we went to an Elysium, we went to Red Number 5, we were doing, you know, politics. Um, mm. Some of the other folks had to make roles, uh, but mostly I just harassed Balthazar. Well, he deserves and, it. Yeah, no, we're we're going to kill him. Good, good, good. 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 Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was very mean to him. Also, he's one of my Coterie mates, uh, Grand Sires. That's awkward. My, my Coterie mate also wants to kill him, so it's fine. Oh, okay. Well, you can only yeah, you can only grow into your own vampire after you've killed your grandsire. I'm fairly certain that's the that's the rule. So, I I give them my blessing to murder Balthazar. <laughs> Isn't that why we put him in the book to begin with? Basically, yep. yeah. He yeah, he and Jason Newberry specifically are in there as people to kill. Oh well, they're both fucking with us. So sabotage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're both arseholes, and Let the Streets Run Red has got more, yet more arseholes. At least one who you will want to um, who you will want to just murder. Is that a bullet in the back of the book? Even more assholes to kill. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, new law sheets, new merits and flaws, and yet more assholes. <laughs> we actually did get Balthazar uh, booted from Elysium for a full year, because we got him Ooh. to punch uh, one of our guys in the face. Nice. <laughs> yeah, we like goaded him into it. He like punched him, and my character turned around and was like, uh, Prince Jackson? <laughs> <laughs> Little tattletale. She observes the rules of the Camarilla because she is an anti trib. Well, her sire was. Hmm. It's fun. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I don't think Prince Jackson would need much convincing to um, for someone to run up to them and say, "Prince Jackson, the horrible ex-Confederate shitheel, just punched me in the face. Can you ban him?" Yes, that was easy. Yeah, no, him and Damien were very happy to ban him. <laughs> it's like, oh, good excuse. Here we go. Yeah, they were like, yep. "Thank you for giving us an excuse. Get the fuck out." Uh, <laughs> so, Eddie. Yes. If people want. To find you and talk to you about any of these games. And if you have any final thoughts, where would they find you? Uh, they could find me through uh, pugsteady.com. And from there, you could find all my social media accounts. And no, I think I'm pretty happy. Well, actually, one final thought I do want to have is um, attach back to the point, like Matthew mentioned, that he didn't talk about the Onyx Path games he runs. I think it's fair because a lot of times when we're playing or running these games, even if we're doing it for fun, in the back of our head, we're still thinking, okay, I could have tweaked that system better, or oh, I should mention that to Rich, or whatever. So I, mean, I, I think it's fair to, to count those as work, even though they are still entertaining. So I think it's a good distinction to make. Yeah, totally. Matthew, do you have any final thoughts? And also, where can people find you? Follow you. So final thoughts. That's a good question, isn't it? Um, well, I just want to say to people who are listening that uh, myself and indeed my uh, wonderful co-hosts here, we're all working on different They Came From games now, or new They Came From games. And it's just so exciting to me as a creator, developer, writer, whatever, that this game line keeps coming up. Well, we keep coming up with new games. Mm -hmm. and new source books and it's such a wonderful experience for me to be able to work with people i just love working with uh it's i don't mean to sound boastful but i really do feel very fortunate to be able to work with people i i really like and whose work i truly admire and i can't wait to see what they uh, do with uh, they came from Camp Murder Lake. I am uh, so have. excited about they came from Camp Murder Lake. It's <laughs> really, really fun. <laughs> like it's not due for a little bit, so I have time, and I have other mm. drafts I have to work on before I work on that one. But I really want to work on that one. <laughs> yeah, and, it's just it's a good excuse to watch even more slasher movies. Yeah, actually, uh, I just got a subscription to Shutter, so I am going to watch a million slasher movies. And then do my writing. 
perfect. I am perfect. super yeah, so excited. I, otherwise, people can find me on MatthewDawkins.com, and by all means, if they want to ask about Camp Murder Lake, they can ask me there. Uh, they can also find me on all my social media linkable on MatthewDawkins.com. Awesome. They can find me at Dixie Cyanide in most places. Uh, they can occasionally see me on the Gehenna Gaming or Onyx Path, Twitch channels, who knows. And you can find us at theonyxpath.com, the Onyx Path on my social media. As always, many worlds, one pathcast. <laughs> <laughs>